Hey everyone, welcome to Zappagram, the mother of all music podcasts, where every week we cover the latest in music news, reviews, interviews, releases, discovery, history, and more. I'm your host, Chris Zappa, and as always, the world of music is a busy place, so without further ado, ground control to listener, take your protein pills, put your helmet on, this podcast ain't gonna listen to itself... Everybody, welcome back to Zappagram, the mother of all music podcasts and newsletters. This is episode number 60. I am your host, Chris Zappa. Thanks for being here. Thanks for coming back week after week. And hey, it's uh, June now, so happy Pride Month. I want to wish everyone a happy Pride Month. As an LGBTQ plus ally, I celebrate and stand in solidarity with my beautiful friends who are part of that incredible community. So I hope that everyone has a, a wonderful month. Uh, celebrating who you are, and you should be celebrated for who you are, and uh, yeah, that's great. As you guys know, this is uh, Zappagram is a newsletter and a podcast. There's so much in this week's newsletter that I'm running up against size limits on the newsletter. Emails can only be so long before your email client will cut the email off and it won't show you the whole thing. There are limits to emails. You probably never get an email that long. It's rare to. But uh, but I pack so much information into my newsletter that we run up against those limits all the time. And this week is no different. I believe this one is as, as hefty a dispatch as you can get. That being said, I'm trying something different. I keep thinking that this podcast is going to change somehow, um, for the better, of course. And I think that one thing that I do, which is possibly a good thing, maybe not, I don't know, but it, I tend to try and be as concise as possible. I try not to ramble too much, but in the spirit of uh, rambling on like Led Zeppelin, I think maybe uh, it wouldn't hurt to to ramble a little bit more. Maybe, yeah, no? It's just, uh, just you know, in an effort to keep things more conversational. This past week, we saw a ton of new releases and one of the biggest and most anticipated ones was the new album from the Foo Fighters, the first album since the death of Taylor Hawkins last year. It's been a highly anticipated album, and I can tell you now, after having listened to it a couple of times, it does not disappoint. It does live up to all of the hype that we were hearing from reviewers who got sneak peek of the album. Um, nearly every song on it is is very emotional and heavy. Um, the subject matter, of course, dealing with love and loss, life and death um, this past year. Uh, Taylor Hawkins passed away, so Dave Grohl lost arguably his, his best friend, and uh, his mom also passed away, so arguably also lost his other best friend, his mom. Been a really rough year for Dave and for the Foo Fighter family, and this album is uh, is a return to form, and it's a, a catharsis, you can tell. And while it does have that Foo Fighter sound that you would expect from a Foo Fighters album, there is there is some new stuff, you know, they're they're trying some new things, and there are some moments that are just like very tender and touching. There are some moments that will blow your doors off. Reviewers had said that this was their best album in twenty years, and I have to agree. I I think it's their best work yet. I'm really excited to listen to it more. I'm also really excited because um, I have a new interview that's coming out real soon. I got to do an interview with Butch Bastard, Ian Murray, who makes music as Butch Bastard. 
he and I sat down and had a really nice conversation yesterday, and that interview is going to be coming out later this week, so be sure to keep an eye out for that when it drops. There's a lot of other stuff that I'm excited to talk about. Uh, like I said, there's a lot to go over, but I'm going to save it for this week's show, so let's go ahead and dive into this week's show. Every week I kick things off with a quote from a famous artist. This week the quote comes from Prince. Art is about building a new foundation, not just laying something on top of what's already there. Prince was truly a groundbreaking artist. He certainly laid new foundations. So art is about building a new foundation, not just laying something on top of what's already there. Wise words from Prince. Let's think about that for a while. Let that stew. This week's Rock the Vote poll, I'm asking, are you on TikTok, yes or no? TikTok is a huge place for music fans, music uh, music, music makers, music fans, music consumers, music lovers, everybody. It's a great platform. You can discover a lot of great new music there. You can uh, find some great concert clips for shows that you were not able to attend. You are able to connect with other like-minded music lovers who are putting out great content. I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a little while. But my poll, I want to know if you're on TikTok or not. Have you have you made the uh, the leap? Are you on there? Are you doing the TikTok thing? Hit the poll in this week's newsletter and let me know. Every week, I put out a playlist, a weekly playlist. This week... We're on number 60. It's a mix of new and old. There's new music on here. There's older music on here. Basically, I put on whatever I want to, um, but I try to put new music that's been released that week or new music that I've discovered that week, and then I like to uh, to sort of uh, season it and pepper it with some of my favorites from years past, years gone by. That playlist is available on Spotify and Apple Music. Links for that are in the newsletter as well. I have a master playlist with all of the songs from all of the weeks available on both platforms as well. This week, I have music on the playlist from Butch Bastard, from my friends Bloom, from Y Oak, Pearl Earl, Beach Fossils, Allegra Miles, Goose, Peter Gabriel, Jason Isbell, and the 400 Unit, Blue Monday, Zola Jesus, Amy Winehouse, Cannons, Miles Smith, The Sacred Souls, Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds, Bruce Springsteen, Band of Skulls, Queens of the Stone Age, and Foo Fighters. It's a really long playlist this week. It's got uh, 20 tracks on there. 20 tracks for your listening pleasure. Please be sure to heart that playlist, save it uh, to your library, listen to it, and let me know what you think. And now that we've gone through all of that, it's time to dive into this week's music news. Kicking things off this week in music news, the headline reads, Ethel Kane collapses on stage at Sydney Opera House, says she's feeling better. On Saturday night, Ethel Kane's performance at the Sydney Opera House as part of the Vivid Live Festival ended abruptly after the singer collapsed on stage. Video of the moments following the collapse show people rushing to check on her and fans share their concern over social media. Kane has now released a statement in an Instagram story viewed by Pitchfork, noting that she's doing better with an apology to the fans in attendance. She says she plans to continue touring and has already performed a Sunday night show at the Sydney Opera House. She's been touring steadily behind her 2022 album Preacher's Daughter, uh, she has a few remaining Australian shows this month and then a busy festival schedule throughout the rest of the year. She attributes it to uh, exhaustion, I guess. She says that uh, all the touring and traveling finally caught up with me, uh, feeling better today and excited for the show tonight. So anyway, um, glad that there's nothing seriously wrong with her and that uh, she's okay and back at it. I love Ethel Kane. 
Everybody loves Ethel Kane. Have you listened to Ethel Kane? Her album, Preacher's Daughter, is phenomenal. There's a song on there called A House in Nebraska, which is just like, whew, ooh, chilling. Really, really good song. If you've not listened to that, go look that up and listen. Next story. The headline reads, The Beach Boys, Pet Sounds, re-released with new Dolby Atmos mix. The Beach Boys asked producer Giles Martin to oversee the mix and gave him access to the original analog tapes as well as Brian Wilson's original mono mix. Martin also used Mark Lynette's 1997 stereo mix as a guide. Pet Sounds was released originally in May of 1966. Dolby Atmos is a surround sound technology developed by Dolby Laboratories that expands on existing surround sound systems by adding height channels, allowing sounds to be interpreted as three-dimensional objects with neither horizontal nor vertical limitation. Object-based audio is the foundation of Dolby Atmos. Each sound uh, in a song has information explaining where it should be placed in the speaker configuration or in the in the configuration of the uh, whether you're listening on, on a speaker system, uh, like a surround sound system, or on headphones. And I know that I don't have um, the most advanced audio setup, but I have listened to this new mix of uh, Pet Sounds, and it's incredible. It sounds even more incredible than it ever did before. And that's to my, you know, untrained, non-audiophile ear. So you may need, you know, really fancy, expensive equipment to to take full advantage of um, of listening to music or watching a movie or whatever using Dolby Atmos. But even through a decent set of headphones, I, I think that it really makes a big difference. There's a, a spatial awareness that comes with like this particular mix of, of pet sounds. It just, you can hear certain things, you know, over here, other things back there. And, but it's, it's sort of immersive. It sounds sort of like you're in the room with the beach boys as they were recording. So it's incredible. If you get a chance to listen to it through a halfway decent set of headphones, uh, please do. The headline, Chuck D to narrate audible series, exploring hip hop's South Bronx origins, public enemies, Chuck D my friend, by the way, Chuck D, will narrate an upcoming Audible original series detailing a little-known story with major ramifications for the birth of hip-hop in New York's South Bronx neighborhood in the early 70s. The five-episode series, titled Can You Dig It?, will premiere on August 10th in celebration of hip-hop's 50th anniversary. In an interview, Chuck D. told Spin Magazine, During the 50th anniversary of hip-hop, we hold the attention of the planet. Now is the time to bring out the stories of people who paved the way for hip-hop and shaped its earliest days. I love everything Chuck D. does, so this should be really good. And speaking of really good, the headline, Gorillaz announced September 2023 U.S. Concerts. It's not a big tour, but it's a tour nonetheless. Gorillas are making a four-stop tour in the United States this summer with shows in Los Angeles, Austin, Chicago, and Boston. Or maybe I should have said Los Angeles, Chicago, Austin, and Boston. Or Los Angeles, Chicago, Boston, and Austin? I don't know. I like the, I like the rhyme there. I'm a poet and don't know it. The Headline Cynthia Weil, storied songwriter with decades of hits, has died at the age of 82. She, along with her husband-slash-creative partner, Barry Mann, wrote such classics as You've Lost That Love and Feelin', Somewhere Out There, and We've Gotta Get Out of This Place. She also co-wrote the song On Broadway. They say the neon lights are bright on Broadway. You know, that one. 
She and her husband were inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame in 1987, and in 2010 they were honored with the Amit Erdogan Award from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She was the first woman to receive that honor. Though she had stepped away from songwriting, uh, she continued to write and published novels as well as a children's book in the 2010s. Now here's an interesting story for fans of The Replacements, like me. The headline reads, Replacements Photos Removed from University of Minnesota Building. In 1985, hometown heroes The Replacements played a concert at Kaufman Memorial Union at the University of Minnesota. At the gig, Minnesota music photographer Daniel Corrigan, who shot the iconic rooftop photo of The Replacements' uh, Let It Be album cover, snapped some shots of the band in the Kaufman elevator. Until recently, framed copies of two of those photos could be seen hanging at Kaufman, but as Minneapolis resident Tim Johnson pointed out on Twitter, they've been removed. A university librarian inquired about the photos and was told by someone there that the photos were removed due to student complaints. Allegedly, the university fields, quote, dozens and dozens of complaints about the pics every year because one of them shows replacements frontman Paul Westerberg smoking. The clerk says it's possible the photos will be placed somewhere else in the building, but, quote, it won't be for a while. The university's Student Unions and Activities Office indicates that student complaints were not the reason for the removal, saying that they have been respectfully deaccessioned and returned to their owner. That's a fancy way. That's a that's university speak for uh, we took that shit down off the wall and gave it back to the dude who shot it. In their statement, they said, while there have been comments made about the photos over the years, the content of the photos was not a factor in the removal of the artwork. I uh, I believe the person who talked to the librarian and that the photos were removed because of Westerberg smoking in the photos. I do not believe the official statement released by the university's student unions and activities office. I think one or two people complained about him smoking in the photo. It's the replacements for the love of God. That'd be like that'd be like somebody complaining about, you know, a photo of Keith Richards smoking. It's like, yeah. Um yeah, he's Keith Richards. I don't know. That's it's just fucking stupid. Next story, the headline Coldplay's eco friendly tour has reduced their carbon emissions by nearly half. New figures shared by Coldplay show that the band have reduced their carbon emissions by nearly half with their eco-friendly world tour. The band's World Stadium Tour comes with an emphasis on environmental sustainability and began last March in South America before coming to the United States and the UK last summer. The figures show that the band have emitted 47% less carbon emissions on the Music of the Spheres World Tour uh, so far than, uh, than their tours in 2016 and 2017 after which they said they would not be touring again until they could do so more sustainably. The band stated, This is a good start and something that our incredible crew should be very proud of, but clearly there's still room for improvement. Of tweaks to the system to improve sustainability, they told fans, Now that we're into the second year of the tour, we've started to run the entire show, audio, lights, lasers, etc., from an electric battery system that allows us to use 100% renewable energy as efficiently as possible. We have been using electric vehicles and alternative fuels wherever we can, as well as reducing waste and plastic usage to a minimum. Okay, so that's awesome. Musically, I I haven't listened to Coldplay since their second album, second or third album. 
Rush of uh, Blood to the Head. Was that second album? Anyway, it was like way back in the beginning of their career. Their first two albums were incredible. And I, I always say that I liked Coldplay before Chris Martin got happy. Once he got happy, I kind of tuned out and stopped listening. But he's a super nice dude, from what I hear. And clearly, the, the band as a whole, they're trying to do something uh, impactful. And uh, they may be, you know, one of the only bands out there doing that. And they're such a big band that, you know, they really set a good example for everyone else. So uh, good on them. The headline, Ben Folds reveals new album, What Matters Most, as well as 2023 tour dates. This marks his first studio album in eight years. The album came out on Friday uh, via New West Records, and to support the release, Folds has mapped out an extensive tour, which includes a mix of full band, orchestra, and solo performances. The tour kicks off June 13th in New London, Connecticut, wrapping up in the U.S. in uh, October in Dallas, Texas, when they'll then head to uh, the U.K. and Europe. And those dates conclude in beginning of December. Tickets are on sale now. The headline reads, OK Go and Post set a lawsuit over same-name cereal. If you remember, a few weeks back I was talking about this story. Uh, the band OK Go, they've had that name since the 90s, right? And Breakfast Titan Post, maker of cereals, came up with some cereal and called it OK Go. And then they had the balls to sue the band for the name. What kind of late-stage capitalism corporate bullshit is that, right? In addition to the battle over the name, Damian Kulash, the singer of the band and father of two young kids, is also worried about the band name being branded onto a product that he has health concerns about, saying, I'm very conscious about what goes into those two little bodies of his kids he's talking about. Cereal as it already exists is just puffed rice sugar bombs, but they somehow found a way to make it even more synthetic and processed. But they have reached a settlement... The terms of the settlement were not actually revealed, but it appears the dueling legal action perhaps gave Post pause about calling their new product name OK Go because all mentions of the forthcoming product have been scrubbed from the company's site and the original URL for the OK Go line now reroutes to the main Post homepage. Suck it, big breakfast. Next story, the headline. Bruce Springsteen celebrates his 45th anniversary of his album Darkness on the Edge of Town with rare live tracks and photos. An album of rare live versions of every track from the album was released uh, this past Friday. Includes 10 additional songs from the period, which were recorded at legendary stops on the boss's 1978 tour. None of these songs have been previously, none of these versions of these songs, I should say, have been previously available on streaming platforms before now. So, if you are a Springsteen fan like me, you should go and check these out. This week in Z-Rex, Zappa's recommendations, I have three things I'd like to draw your attention to. The first one ties into the uh, Rock the Vote poll question this week about are you on TikTok or not. I love TikTok. There are some amazing creators there making fascinating music-related videos. From my friend Kat who I'll soon be doing a cool collaboration with, uh, who runs a TikTok all about Led Zeppelin, to my friend Nick, who deep dives into classic albums as they age, or as he puts it, he, uh, quote, throws birthday parties for his record collection, end quote. I have links in there in the newsletter to both of their accounts on TikTok where you can go and check out their work, and I'll be highlighting more of my TikTok music pals in the coming weeks. 
Next, I'm recommending a piece uh, written by Ben Myers titled There Goes My Hero about Joey Ramone arguing that he was the ultimate punk and perhaps the greatest frontman the world has ever known. He wasn't confident and capable like Bowie, nimble or untamed like Iggy, articulate like John Lydon, or as pretty as Jim Morrison, but he was real. He was believable. He was the underdog, the loser, the dysfunctional weirdo. Joey Ramone was awesome, and uh, this is an awesome piece about him, so I encourage you to go read that as well. And then finally, in honor of Pride Month, uh, Loudwire published a piece titled 29 LGBTQIA plus Icons in Rock and Metal, which is an amazing list full of incredible performers. However, they left one icon who is near and dear to my heart out of that list, and that is uh, one of my favorite artists of all time, Rufus Wainwright. Rufus just released a brand new album uh, this past week on Friday. It came out called Folkocracy. And uh, it's uh, it's his covers of a bunch of uh, old folk songs. It's uh, not exactly typical Rufus, but uh, but it's fantastic. And those songs are his renditions are are absolutely beautiful. But what I wanted to highlight were two different videos, two different live performances. These are included in the newsletter this week. You can see them. One is from the '90s, where he does uh, one of my favorite songs of his called Poses. And then one is from just a couple of years ago where he does one of my other favorite songs of his, Go or Go Ahead. You know, back in the day when uh, someone was an amazing singer, we'd say, I I could listen to them sing the phone book. That just dates me and shows how old I am. But uh, since phone books aren't a thing anymore, I don't really know what the modern day equivalent of that would be. But, uh, But I'd listen to Rufus Wainwright sing anything, anytime, anywhere. His uh, 2003 album, Want One, is a flawless, no-skip masterpiece, in case you're looking for a good place to start with Rufus Wainwright's music. And both of these performances and these videos are uh, they're linked from YouTube. They are solo performances, so the uh, rendition of Poses is just him on a piano, and the solo version of Go or Go Ahead is just him and guitar. Both are absolutely beautiful, incredible, powerful. There's just nothing like his voice. I've had the good fortune to see him live uh, twice, and both times was just absolutely incredible. Once was solo, so it was just him and piano, him and guitar. That was in Portland, Oregon. Then I saw him once again in San Diego with a full band. He never, ever, ever disappoints. Also, go check out his new album, Folkocracy, which is out right now. But uh, definitely go back and listen to his earlier work, too. I want to tell you all about this week's new releases, as well as what's coming up on the release radar. And there's a lot to get to, so buckle up. Just a quick rundown of everything that came out this past week uh, that was really, really good. New albums from Ben Folds, Ben Harper, Bob Dylan, Bully, Cowboy Junkies, Foo Fighters, Half Moon Run, Louise Post of Veruca Salt, Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats, Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds, Rancid, and of course, as I mentioned, Rufus Wainwright. All of them are very, very good. Of course, as I already mentioned at the top of the show, I was super excited for the new Foo Fighters, and it did not disappoint. And I was also excited for Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds, uh, the new album Council Skies. It also did not disappoint. Absolutely beautiful album. 
And uh, I, I misspoke a little bit. Full disclosure, I have not yet been able to listen to the new Rancid album, but I'm excited to do that soon. I'll let you know what I think after I have a chance to hear that. So let's get into the release radar. This is everything that's coming up in uh, the next 30 to 45 days. Our uh, musical plate is full. My friends, so much new stuff coming out. Just real quickly, going to run through all the bands and artists that have new albums coming out in the next 30, 45 days, starting with... Uh, next week, the Boo Radleys, Christine and the Queens, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, Jenny Lewis, Love and Rockets, My Morning Jacket, and Youth Lagoon. On June 13th, Spoon releases a new EP, Memory Dust. On June 16th, we have new releases from Balmoria, Drive-By Truckers, The Flaming Lips, Hand Habits, John Mellencamp, Motorhead, Queens of the Stone Age, Sunvolt, and the Teskey Brothers. June 23rd, new releases from Albert Hammond Jr., Amanda Shires, and Bobby Nelson, Candlebox, Lloyd Cole, M. Ward, Portugal the Man, Sleepy Gonzalez, and Y. Oak. Really excited for Y. Oak. On June the 30th, new album from Charlie Watts, Frank Zappa, Grateful Dead, The Gens, and Lucinda Williams. And finally, on July 7th, Anoni and the Johnsons have a new album coming out, as do local natives PJ Harvey, super excited for that one too, and Taylor Swift's new album, uh, her, her version of Speak Now, her re-recorded version of her own album from back in the day anyway all of that coming up in the next 30 45 days i'll be listening to it all i'll let you know what's good i'll let you know what's worth your time and uh tune in find out i got you And finally, this brings us to On This Date, Musical Happenings of Historical Significance. On this date, June the 5th, Michael Davis, bassist for the MC5, was born in Detroit, Michigan in 1943. Sharing a birthday for the same year, Freddie Stone, guitarist of Sly and the Family Stone, was born in Vallejo, California, and avant-garde artist Laurie Anderson, uh, also Lou Reed's wife, or widow now, was born in Glen Ellen, Illinois, in 1947. Nico McBrain, drummer of Iron Maiden, was born in London in 1952 on June the 5th. Richard Butler, singer with the English rock band The Psychedelic Furs, was born in London. And Kenneth Bruce Gorlick was born in Seattle, Washington in 1956. Do you know who he is? Kenneth Bruce Gorlick. Anyone? Anyone? Kenny G. Kenny G. Pete Wentz, bassist of Fall Out Boy, was born in Wilmot, Illinois in 1979. Robert Zimmerman graduated from high school in Hibbing, Minnesota, where he was known as a greaser to his classmates in the rural, remote community because of his long sideburns and his leather jacket. He was uh, graduated in 1959 on June the 5th. Robert Zimmerman. I'm sure you know that he is, of course, Bob Dylan. And on June the 5th, in 2002, Dee Dee Ramone died, age 49, at his Hollywood apartment of a heroin overdose. Don't do drugs, kids. On June the 6th, bassist Tony Levin, who has worked with, though, hundreds of people, uh, Peter Gabriel, perhaps most recently, was born in Boston, Massachusetts in 1946. June the 6th, in 1960, guitarist Steve Vai was born in Carl Place, New York. Tom Araya, bassist of Slayer, was born in Chile in 1960 on that date. James Schaefer, otherwise known as Monkey, bassist for Korn, was born in Rosedale, California in 1970. Uh, June the 6th of 1978, both Jeremy Garrett, uh, drummer for Arcade Fire, who was born in Ottawa, Ontario, and Carl Barat, singer of the Libertines, was born in Hampshire, England on that date. 
Ross McDonald, bassist of the 1975, was born in Manchester, England in uh, 1989. The first Beatles recording session during which they recorded Love Me Do took place at Abbey Road Studios on June the 6th of 1962. June the 6th of 1965, the Rolling Stones released I Can't Get No Satisfaction in the U.S. June the 6th of 1971, John and Yoko jammed live on stage with Frank Zappa at the Fillmore East in New York. And on that date, RCA Records released I Will Always Love You by Dolly Parton in 1974. Also on June the 6th, Dr. John, known for music combining blues, pop, jazz, and boogie-woogie, uh, died in New Orleans at the age of 77 after suffering a heart attack. And also on uh, that date in 2022, June the 6th, Jim Seals of Seals and Crofts died in Nashville at the age of 80. We're moving on to June 7th. Okay, this is all stuff that's that's uh, coming up this week, but it's stuff that's happened in the past. You get that, right? Okay, just making sure you're still on the same page with me. June the 7th, American singer, actor, comedian, producer, a.k.a. the King of Cool, Dean Martin, was born in Steubenville, Ohio in 1917. Welsh singer Tom Jones was born in Treforest, Wales in 1940. Prince Rogers Nelson, otherwise known as Prince, was born in Minneapolis, Minnesota, June the 7th, 1958. June the 7th, 1966, Eric Kretz, drummer of Stone Temple Pilots, was born in San Jose, California. That same day in 1967, the following year, Dave Navarro, guitarist of Jane's Addiction, was born in Santa Monica, California. Dave Bailey, singer of Glass Animals, was born in Oxford, England, 1989. That same date in 1987, David Bowie played a concert in West Berlin in front of the Reichstag, with speakers pointed toward the Berlin Wall, where thousands of young East Berliners stood and listened. That would have been a cool show to see. Also, on June the 7th in 2012, Bob Welch, an early member of Fleetwood Mac, who uh, also enjoyed a successful solo career with hits such as Ebony Eyes, was found dead of an apparent suicide at his home in Nashville, Tennessee. On June the 8th, Nancy Sinatra was born in Jersey City, New Jersey in 1940. June the 8th, 1942, Chuck Negron, uh, American singer-songwriter with Three Dog Night. He was born in New York City. Boz Skaggs was born in Canton, Ohio on that date in 1944. June the 8th, 1953, Bonnie Tyler was born in Wales. Uh, total Eclipse of the Heart, Bonnie Tyler. Yeah, man. Uh, Mick Hucknell of Simply Red was born in Manchester, England, 1960. Nick Rhodes, keyboardist for Duran Duran, was born in Birmingham, England, uh, 1962. And June the 8th, 1985... Tears for Fears started a two-week run at number one on the U.S. singles charts with Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Man, I remember when that came out. It was everywhere. It was all over the radio. I had the cassette. I believe I had it on vinyl, too. Uh, absolutely loved it. Still love it to this day. Moving on to June the 9th. June the 9th, 1891, Cole Porter was born in Peru, Indiana. That same date in 1915, Les Paul was born in Waukesha, Wisconsin. That same date in 1934. Soul singer Jackie Wilson, born in Detroit, Michigan. And June the 9th of 1964, during an evening session, Bob Dylan recorded Mr. Tambourine Man at Columbia Recording Studios in New York City. On June the 10th, blues god Chester Burnett, better known as Howlin' Wolf, was born in White Station, Mississippi in 1910. June the 10th, 1910. June the 10th, 1922, Judy Garland was born in Grand Rapids, Minnesota, June 10, 1961, Kim Deal, bassist of the Pixies and the Breeders, was born in Dayton, Ohio. Smashing Pumpkins drummer Jimmy Chamberlain was born in Joliet, Illinois. Pixies guitarist Joey Santiago was born in Manila, Philippines, June 10, 1965. June 
the 10th, 1975, the Eagles released their fourth studio album, One of These Nights, which became the Eagles' first number one album on Billboard's charts. The album produced three top ten singles, One of These Nights, Lion Eyes, and Take It to the Limit. June the 10th of 1977, Joe Strummer and Nicky Hedden from The Clash were each fined five pounds by a London court for spray-painting The Clash on a wall. And on that same date in 2004, June the 10th, 2004, the great Ray Charles died, age 73, at his home in Beverly Hills, California. Finally, on June the 11th, 1949, Frank Beard, the drummer with ZZ Top, was born in Frankston, Texas. That same day, June 11th, 1969, Steve Drozd, drummer for the Flaming Lips, was born in Houston, Texas. And lastly, on June the 11th, 1966, the Rolling Stones started a two-week run at number one on the U.S. singles charts with Paint It Black. Definitely one of my favorite Stones songs, but uh, probably just behind Gimme Shelter. Hey, everybody, that's going to do it for this week's show. That's number 60, in the can, as it were. Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming back week after week. Please consider backing Zappagram with a paid subscription. You can do so at zappagram.com. I can only keep going and growing as a result of your generous support. Don't forget to check out the newsletter, everything in it that I've gone over this week. Listen to the new releases. Check out the playlist. Go listen to Butch Bastard. Go listen to Bloom, Allegra, Miles, Queens of the Stone Age, Foo Fighters, everything else that's in there. Check out my TikTok friends. Go watch those Rufus Wainwright videos. That's a full course load. That ought to keep you busy till next week, right? Take care of one another. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. I'm Chris Appa. I'm your host. And until next week, I am out of here. <laughs>